Well, I'm so glad that you are with us again today. Thank you for joining us, whether you're a longtime bridge attender or maybe you are just joining us for the very first time. I'm so glad that you're here. And I love that video of Richard and his dad doing good in the community because that's what we want to be about. We want to be about leading people to fall more in love with Jesus Christ by using the gifts God is giving us and the resources God is giving us and to do just that. And there's one individual on our staff who has done that well for over six years. Jeffrey Noblet is an unbelievable worship leader. He's been my friend for over 20 years and he and his wife, Leisha, so gifted. They've used those gifts to lead us to fall more in love with Jesus through worship and the creative and worship arts. Uh, so it's a little bittersweet for me to even say this, but through a lot of prayer of reading God's word, they believe God is leading them on to a different opportunity so that they could use their gifts and talents to reach more people for Christ at another place. And so we couldn't be more thrilled for how God is going to use them. Um, so again, it's bittersweet for us, but we're excited for them. And maybe you want to give them a shout out as well to let them know that you're praying for them and that you love them. And uh, Jeffrey, Leisha, we love you, praying God's best for you for the next chapter and journey of your life. Uh, this past week, I was actually able to be a part of a, another couple who's in our worship arts ministry with a brand new chapter of their life as they got married. It is a marriage ceremony I've never done before, but you may know this couple. This is Doug, who plays drums mostly at Regal for us, but is on our team. And then Jamie is on our worship team as well. And I went over to their house and the entire thing for their family was on Zoom. There were over 25 Zoom windows as this marriage ceremony took place. And of course, the moment for the kiss, they took the mask off and I got a little photo bomb in there as well. But it was so neat to talk to them about something I want to talk to you about. The beginning of their marriage, obviously, I was telling them about things that they can count on God for, things that he has promised them. And through this time, I know not everyone is living the newlywed lifestyle but there are a lot of people hurting. A lot of people have experienced a lot of pain. A lot of people are confused. A lot of people still feel isolated. And this series is designated to help us get through what we're going through. And this is the bottom line for the entire series. This is it right here. It says this, believing what is true is what will get you through. Can we all say that together? No matter where you are, in your house, in your apartment, in your car, believing what is true is what will get you through. I would love to say that life does not have loss, that life does not have pain, that life does not have suffering, but it's just not true. Any type of growth that takes place in our life involves change. Any kind of change that takes place in our life involves loss. Any kind of loss involves pain, any kind of pain involves grieving. And when we are going through something that's painful, we all ask three questions. Here's the very first question we all ask, why? Why am I experiencing this? Why are we going through this? And the reason we ask the why question is we wanna make a connection between what we're going through, the painful moment of our life, and why it's even happening. The second question that we all have a tendency to ask is how? How did this happen? Like, how did it happen to them? They were such a good couple. How did it happen to him? How did it happen to them? And the reason we ask how is because we're so caught off guard. We weren't expecting it for our family. We weren't expecting it for our marriage. 
So we ask how. And the third question that we all ask is when? When is it going to be over? When does this season of pain end for us? God, surely you have an answer to when this is going to stop for us. But the truth is, there are so many questions. In fact, I believe there are more questions than there are answers in this world that we live in. All of those questions will not be answered until the other side of eternity. That's why believing what is true in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the questions, believing what is true is what's going to get us through. So today, I really have one point, but it's going to be fleshed out in a story. And that is this. This is the point. This is the truth we can hang on to today. God loves me. I want somebody in your living room, in your apartment, I want everyone to look at everyone else and go, God loves you. Tell everyone in there, God loves you. God loves you. If you're by yourself, give us a big red heart in the chat room to just tell the world that God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. It sounds simple enough, but you and I both know that when trials hit and we can't find peace and there's pain and suffering that we're experiencing, this many times is hard to believe. So I want to take you to a story in the Bible about a family that was going through something and they had no idea how to get through what they were going through. And it's the story of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And here's how the story goes. I won't read all the verses just for time's sake. Hopefully you can go back and read the entire story, but we'll skip around so that you can at least capture the big meaning of the story. Here's what it says in John chapter 11. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. We don't know what the sickness was, but we do know the sickness actually led to death. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. That actually happens in the next chapter. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. The whole story starts out this way. Lord, the one you love is sick. Now we have the players, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, which is so fascinating because the name Lazarus fits so well in the story itself because it means the one who God helps. So not only do you have an individual going through something that has no idea how to get through what he's going through, but you have his sisters going through something that has no idea how to get through what they're going through. And the story continues, and here's what it says. When he, talking about Jesus, he wasn't in that city. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Just real quick. Maybe you're going through something that really isn't about you at all. Maybe what you're going through is really dealing with the glory of God. And he's using what you're going through and he'll get you through what you're going through so that other people can see how amazing he is. But then it says this at the very end, important. Jesus loved Martha and her sister, Mary, and Lazarus. You have Jesus who it says twice at the top of the story, Jesus loved them. He loved them. He really loved them. Look at people where you're sitting next to and just look at them and go, he loved them. Tell them he loved them. He loved them. And it's so interesting that Jesus not only loved them, Jesus loved being with them. You know, Martha was the one who paid all of the bills in the house. Uh, she was the cook. Uh, Chris, she could cook some amazing chicken wings, buffalo, wild wings. Oh, she was amazing at it. 
ranch dip. I mean, she was the one. Uh, her sister, Mary, was a great listener. <laughs> she was the one who, when Jesus loved to come over for the food, she was the one who would sit in front of Jesus and just fall more in love with him just to listen. And he, she had her journal. She was a journalist. She would just journal and journal and journal and journal. And then Lazarus, of course, was the one that Jesus loved. So when it came time for their hope and help, they knew who to turn to, Jesus. So they sent a messenger to Jesus and the messenger would simply say this, hey, Jesus, Lazarus is sick. And they were like, no, 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 wait, 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 come back, come back, come back. Here's how you tell him, tell him this way. Jesus, the one you love is sick. We want to make sure that he knows how important this is. We want to make sure he knows how desperate we are. And now he's enjoyed coming over. He loves us without question. But now we need him. So just tell him that the one you love is sick. Now, up to this point, the story makes total sense for me. I'm tracking with everything. I'm like, okay, I got it. I got it. Good. I got it. Verse six, the whole thing takes a right turn that no one would ever expect. Here's what verse six says. Yet, when Jesus heard that Lazarus, the one he loved, was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. This is a different story if it said he had to stay where he was for two more days. I mean, ministry can be complicated. Ministry can be 24 seven. He's healing people. He's doing a lot of teaching. And so for him to get caught up in ministry would make so much sense, but that's not what the verse says. The verse says he heard it and he made a choice. I'm not gonna go. I'm gonna stay right where I am for two more days. And that's the problem we have with God, isn't it? He just seems completely late. He seems inattentive. Seems like he doesn't care. When we're going through what we're going through, and we know at there many times he's the only one who can get us through what we're going through, it just seems like he does not love us. This is how they felt. That's why the story goes on to say this, on his arrival, and if we were writing the story, or if Mary and Martha were writing the story, they'd go, finally, <laughs> thanks for getting here, finally, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. This is important because there was a Jewish belief that a person's spirit would actually hover for three days. And it's possible, it's possible that they could come back at some moment. Jesus waited four days. Bethany was only less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them and the loss of their brother. Now you need to get the picture. This was a Jewish custom that was actually called, this was the name, sitting Shiva. Gotta be careful how you say that. Sitting Shiva is the name of what was actually happening. Their neighbors came over and they would just sit with them. Why? Because sometimes the pain and the grief and the loss is so great. There aren't any words. And so they would sit and they would weep. Shiva actually means seven. For seven days, you would sit with the one who was weeping. You would weep with them. You would cry with them. It was in your sitting that you were saying to them, I love you. I care about you. 
I'm going to go through this with you. And if I could just throw in, if you don't mind, this is why we love small groups. So that not if, but when you go through something you don't know how to get through, there are people who will sit with you, who will pray with you, who will walk through what you're going through so that you are not alone. This is what's happening for Mary and Martha. And we pick it up in verse 20. And here's the story. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, finally, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here. Now in Greek, what they call that is a guilt trip. (laughs) That's what that is right there. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. In other words, you're late. As a matter of fact, it's almost like you're too late. But here's what we need to remember. Jesus is always on time, never late. And he is wanting to do something in their life that he could only do if it was something they thought they could not get through what they were going through. And so she says, but I know, and I love that. I love the, the battle that you see within her, right? The reality of my situation says it's over. It's abs- I'm in an impossible situation with my brother, yet my faith chooses to believe something about you. And the scripture says this, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now she's quoting from the Old Testament book of Daniel. And here's what she's saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that one day, you know, he'll rise again. I know. And Jesus is going, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not talking about Daniel. I'm not talking about in a future day. I'm talking about today is what I'm talking about. So here's what he says. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now hang on to this because in the moment of her despair, in the moment of her thinking, we can't get through what we're going through. Jesus makes this profound statement. I am the resurrection and the life. Hey, Martha, you're thinking about something that's going to happen. I'm telling you about someone who is. Life is not found in an event. Jesus is saying life is found in a person, me. Life is not found in something that will happen in your circumstance. Life is found in a person standing in your circumstance, Martha, and it's me. So my question to you, Martha, is simply this. Do you believe me, Martha? You know, there's so many uh, different personality tests and relationship tests and, you know, talking with Doug and Jamie, we're talking about different things about love languages. And this it's really big, you know, love language is how you give and receive love. It's like your filter of how you feel love and how you give love. That there's um, uh, acts of service, there's affection and touch, there's quality time, there's gifts, and there's words of affirmation. Now, my wife, her top three love languages are gifts, gifts, and gifts. She has the most expensive one, 
but it's a wonderful thing to gift her and receive gifts by her because it's how she says and feels loved. You want to know what Jesus' love language is? Because he has one. Jesus' love language is simple. Trust. He loves when you sing. But he really feels love when you trust him. He is so proud when you honor him with your finances. You make him first in your finances. But boy, he feels incredibly honored when you trust him. Trust is his love language. So he's looking at Martha going, do you trust me? And I would submit to you that we all have a Lazarus in our life. And he would look at you and he would look at me and go, oh, here's what I want to know. Do you trust me with your career? Do you trust me with him? Do you trust me with her? Do you trust me with your finances? Do you believe me? And everyone has to answer that question. And he would respond this way. Do you believe me? Because I really do love you, Martha. Do you trust me? Because I, 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 I'm just telling you, I love you more than you would ever know. I know it seems like I'm late, but I'm trying to teach you something about my character that you can't learn any other way than getting through this with me. But before we just get on the other side of what we're going through, I'm wanting to stop with you so that you could trust me. Your faith is built in me. And in that process, there is a moment that you and I have that you understand how much I really do love you. And Martha is starting to click and now Mary's got to get in on this deal. So the text goes on and here's what it says. Yes, Lord, Martha told. Now this is so powerful. Watch this. She told him, I believe that you are the Christ. Fascinating. The word believe, the word that she used is a tense that says it this way. I have believed you are the one. I do believe you are the one. And no matter what comes my way, I will always believe that you are the one. You are the Christ, the Messiah. You're the one who's going to get us through what we're going through. And I do believe that you love me. So my answer is yes to you. You're the son of God who was to come into the world. And after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. And here's what happened with Mary. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, listen to this, Lord, if you had been here, and Jesus is going, hmm, has, haven't I heard this before? <laughs> Guilt trip. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's interesting. She's feeling the same way we feel. My circumstances dictate if you really love me. Jesus is trying to get them to understand I love you no matter what your circumstances are. Specifically in the hardest of your circumstances, I will make you help you, lead you, show you, and prove to you that I love you. How? By being with you. That's what I will do. Now, I love her honesty here. And here's how I wrote it down with our prayers. I love this. The most honest prayer you can pray 
is the most godly prayer you can pray. See, she's thinking God forgot about her. Jesus forgot about her. People forget about people. God can never forget about people. Why? Because he loves them. He loves you. Whatever you're going through, he will never forget about you. Watch this next verse. This is so good. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews, remember, sitting Shiva, had come along with her also weeping. So there's a lot of grieving, a lot of tears. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Look at this question. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Now, you know this about Jesus. You never ask a question. He would never ask a question he doesn't know the answer to. Where have you laid him? It's an invitation. Will you, will you bring me into where it all went down for you? Here's what I would submit. We all have a Lazarus. And when Jesus shows up in our pain, I think he asked us a very similar question. Where did it all go wrong for you? Will you take me there emotionally? Where did he betray you? Where did you lose the job? Where did you stop believing in me? Where was your faith just shipwrecked on the rocks and you left it there? Where did that happen for you? Will you take me there? And in saying yes, what you may experience with Jesus that you have never experienced before with him is what they experienced in that moment in verse 35. Jesus wept. <laughs> now, I want to read this verse again because it's long and sometimes it can be so confusing, right? Kids, kids, won't you say this with me? Come on, we can read this one together. Ready? Jesus wept. Don't fly past that. It's profound. It's amazing that the Son of God knew the end of the story. It's like he had already read what was going to happen or something. As a matter of fact, when you read the story, he had said it several times that he was going to bring Lazarus back from the dead. But he stopped in this moment with people weeping, with people crying, with just their hopes have shattered and their hearts are broken. And he chooses to do something and that is to weep with them. I love it. We have a God who will sit on the edge of our bed with us and weep with us. He does not negate his power and authority to remove himself out of that situation as uncomfortable it is for so many who go there. And they just feel like, I, just, I, I gotta get out of this moment. I gotta leave. I gotta leave the hospital. I gotta leave this room. I gotta leave. I just gotta get away. Jesus just walks into it and he goes, I'm not leaving. I'm gonna stay because I wanna feel what you feel. Why would he do that? Because he loves you. Here's how I wrote it down. Jesus is with us in our pain. You see, before we get through what we're going through, is it possible that instead of us asking him to fix us, give us a new job, help us pay our mortgage, uh, heal them, please heal her, please put it back together. Maybe he just wants to stop and do something in us before he does something around us. And what he wants to do in us is to just stop and be with us so that we could hear him say, I understand how you feel. 
let me start by telling you something. I love you. And I'm not going anywhere. And I'm never going to forsake you. I'm going to always be with you. In doing that, there was a testimony that happened about him and around him. Here's what it says. Then the Jews said, then, after that moment, see how he loved him. See how he loved him. Look, just look. He stops to weep. He enters the moment. He feels the pain. He takes it on. He embraces the weight. And it's because he loves him. And the same would be said about you. You know, this isn't just a New Testament thing either with Jesus. The compa- it's not like in the Old Testament, God was the angry God. Let's hurry up and get to the New Testament and get to the nice God. That's not that way at all. As a matter of fact, the very first description of God in the Bible is in the book of Exodus. And it says that he is a angry God. Nope. Compassionate God. Slow to anger abounding in love. You find this throughout the Old Testament. You find it throughout the New Testament. In fact, in this culture and even BC before Christ, there was something that was called a tear bottle that ladies would have. And the the tear bottle was real simple. I actually bought this in Israel. Uh, Ancient tear bottles of the time of Jesus, a little after and definitely before, are worth thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, This one was actually $14.95. It's a fake, but it works. I bought it for my daughter and I love it because it's such a representation of the size of the tear bottle that ladies throughout their lifetime would actually capture the tears that they would cry when they would be in pain or when they would grieve or have a moment in their life that they didn't know how to get through what they were going through. It would become one of their most prized possessions but it's because it held so many painful moments, emotional moments that they would just keep it with them. Did you know in the Old Testament, David actually said these words, You keep track of all my sorrows and you have collected all my tears in your bottle and you have recorded each one in your book. And then it says this, this I know, remember the truth that you know, you know the truth, that's what will get you through. God is for me. What you know is true is what's going to get you through. This I know. God is for me. God loves me. So what's my response? I praise God for what he's promised. Never to leave you, never forsake you. Yes, I praise the Lord for what he has promised. So I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? Mary, Martha, trust in God. You do not need to be afraid. Why? God is for me. God loves me. You know, I don't know if you read the end of the story, but um, uh, don't want to just throw it. Well, I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, Jesus brings him back to life. It's an amazing story. You need to read the story. It's incredible. But that's not what the story is about. 
Because the last time I checked, Jesus doesn't always bring our Lazarus back to life. He can. It doesn't mean he will. Matter of fact, the last time I checked, when people die, they usually stay dead. And again, maybe that is your Lazarus. I talked with one of our church members who lost two family members to the virus this week. Maybe that is your story. Maybe you've lost a job through this. Maybe you feel like you're losing your marriage. Maybe you feel like you're losing your sanity or your peace. It's not that Jesus brings all of our Lazaruses back to us. Sometimes he may actually do that. But the point of the story is twofold. Whatever you're going through, he's going to walk this thing with you, be with you. And as David said one night, he said, I have covered my couch with tears. It almost seems when you read scripture, those who walk closest with God shed the most tears and needed the most Kleenex. What we learn from the story is, I'm going to love you and walk with you no matter what you're going through. And what we also learn from the story is not that he brings all of our Lazarus back, but what we learn from the story is he knows how to get glory from what we're going through. And we're going to talk about another story next week where you can see that happen with someone who had no idea how to get through what he was going through. The band is going to come up after I pray. And I love the song because it just echoes one scripture that God is for you. God is for you. And he is with you, before you, behind you, around you, and in you. So make sure you listen to this song. But before we do, would you pray with me? Maybe you, for the first time, want to say to him, I want you and I need you in my life. What I'm going through, yes, I want to get through, but I'd rather have you. So maybe for the first time you want to surrender your life to him. If that's you right where you are, would you just simply pray after me? Just say, dear Jesus, I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm surrendering my past to you with all of my failures that you know of. I'm surrendering my present to you and giving you my heart right now, making you my leader, my boss, my king, my father. And I'm trusting you with my future. Thank you for rescuing me today. Thank you for making me your child today. Thank you for the cross and the resurrection that was for me. Thank you for loving me today. In your name I pray, amen.